Hello everybody. Today is March 10th, 2022, and it is a Thursday, and I'm going to be talking to y'all a bit about my latest pieces, my latest physical pieces anyway. Um my bobacha jeans. So, I made an episode on the Serenity jeans, and they had mermaids and things on them and they were a homage to Yamaya and motherhood and the relationships between mothers and daughters. And if you want to learn about those, you can go check those out on that episode. So, Bobacha jeans are my way of being able to indulge in the crafting of physical pieces in a way that's um, time and cost effective. I like using denim denim of good quality like I like I like a good sturdy fabric so I prefer like Levi's um because those are like they they really they really um they real sturdy you know they real adorable and I go to the thrift store and I'll go get them for however much they are and then I turn them into my pieces so I've recently learned that the history of denim itself is quite interesting so um Indigo was one of the cash crops of the American South. And indigo, like other crops that enslaved Africans were forced to grow, were things that originated in Africa, you know, that were indigenous to the continent and were already being grown over there. And these people were brought along with their seeds to grow things you know to they were brought here to grow the things they were growing in africa they weren't brought here to grow um things that were indigenous to turtle island you know and they were brought to the south because the land the soil was so of like a similar um a similar fertility to those african lands so then you take it even further with the symbolism and significance of these jeans. I learned that blue jeans were not originated by Levi Strauss, though he's, you know, he's one of the people most associated with their origins. I learned that they actually came from like the people in the Carolinas who would take um, like rough sewn fabric and they would dye it with the indigo and it would be like their work clothes because the fabric was so durable. So just thought I'd throw those fun facts in there, but let's get in and talk about the first of the two pairs of jeans that I'm talking about today. Um, I made these jeans on Lundi Gras. Um, for those who don't know, that's the day before Mardi Gras on February 28th. And this pair as the other one are both homages to um, the Mino Diaries, which is my fictional show, which is itself a homage to the realities and complexities of the African and indigenous diasporas. So um, these genes are both connected specifically to episode six of the Mino Diaries, which I am coordinating to release around the equinox. That's around like the 21st, 22nd, around that time. There's going to be lots of art and lots of different things connected to it. Um, these genes are connected to various things even outside of the Mino Diaries. That's just my work in general. But it's important to remember, all of my work is circular. So 
anything that you know anything that you um that you engage with is likely to be connecting to everything else simultaneously so the first image i have on this pair of bobancha jeans is a hummingbird hummingbirds are significant to me and my family for one because um many indigenous cultures associated hummingbirds with um a sort of ferocity they're small but they're very ferocious little animals people don't know that about them um but they're very brave and they are aligned with the spirits of those who died in battle then i have an image of a dread and also hummingbirds is significant because me and my grandma have um had shared an affinity for them all my life and we've always watched them when they pass um through our lands on their migration routes during summertime and um autumn and they feed at our feeders and pass by and it's like this year we have more than we had ever seen you know zero nights then we have dragonfly i have a dragonfly and dragonflies are significant to me as i see them as like messengers they're like messengers of the spirit world um then i have a honeybee love bees they pollinate everything um when bees are attracted to you you know it it can be a symbol that your energy is good because they like attracted to royalties and stuff you know like how they are they're connected to their source their queen so when bees gravitate towards you or your garden you know it can be a very nice symbol then i have a picture of a <clears throat> painted horse a pinto um it's a mare and her significance is soon to be it's going to be revealed more and more as the mino diaries progresses but she herself is a character the horse she is herself a character and is connected to certain histories and symbolism then i have katlaha katlaha is one of the mino she, her name is choctaw from magnolia and she is also a shapeshifter then i have um nashoba Nashoba is a Choctaw word for wolf and Nashoba herself is a shapeshifter as well and she is very significant and um she's going to be making her first appearance in episode 6. Then as you go down I have the image of a ankh which I've expressed in other episodes is a symbol for the, the uh, alignment of the divine feminine and masculine. I have images of magnolias which are significant to our culture and our symbolism and um our energy of the divine feminine. Um I have a high cypress tree. I love cypresses. Cypresses are trees that are connected to water and they carry a lot of memory, a lot of power. I have a bald eagle flying in front of that cypress. Eagles are significant for us. as they represent certain freedoms and powers and also they are indigenous to this area and they fly over my house sometimes or fly past it and it's always a blessing when you're able to see them i have an image of a monarch butterfly those carry a lot of power 
and energy from myself and my sisters and my tribe. I have a crawfish, which is the basis, the, the foundation of any of the bayou ecosystems that we know. The crawfish really, really serves a very important role as a, um, as a base of those food, of many food chains. And they do a lot of work with keeping the um keeping like the mud and stuff in the water clean and they scavenge and they you know they they clean up dead stuff then i have an image of a heron i love herons they're so patient and they are excellent hunters of fish um i have a sunfish sunfish is significant to me and my brother because I have memories of us fishing and I remember I caught a sunfish and they're very beautiful fish. They're perch that live in our waters and they're not quite as big as the other ones but you know they got a lot of color. Then I have images of swallowtail butterflies and a softshell turtle. I really love softshell turtles because they're not as numerous as the terrapins that you see swimming in the bayous and stuff, but they have a distinct shape and color, and they can get pretty big, and um, they're a lot more skittish than the other ones, so you don't see them as often. They spend a lot more time in the water. They're like way more aquatic than their cousins. Then on the right pant leg I have an image of an alligator snapping turtle I love these things they get huge and they live for a really really long time they ambush hunters and they use their tongues like a um they use their tongues as a lure to attract fish and they sit still they they like sort of bury themselves in the mud and they just sit perfectly still until boom they strike at like in like the speed of a blink of an eye and they catch their food um, but they get very big. Then I have an image of an alligator. Alligators are super sacred to me. Um, crocodilians in general are associated in several cultures as conduits of magic, power, wisdom, because they get so old. Um, they are ferocious animals in the sense of they can do a lot of damage and they can be dangerous. However, in that same respect, they mind their business for the most part. A lot of animals that we associate with danger are um, very good at minding their business. Hold up, y'all. They talking. So, yes. Back to the alligator. Um, I have that image on here. And then I have the image of crows. I love crows because crows are super, super smart and they're connected to the dead. Not in the sense of how some people associate crows with, like, the negativity of death. But I see crows as they are, like, they guide souls. You know, they guide souls who are lost. Um, they gather every day on what I identify as a bone road. So it's an axis in the city. And if you know where to find it, at every sunset, you can watch the crows gather and fly. And they go either across the river or they roost at like Congo Square so if you ever want to see them you know go to Congo Square when the sun is going down and you'll see all of those crows on them cypresses um, then I have images of portals um, portals opening 
and like they kind of in a row in the in the sky. Uh, I don't remember exactly where I got this image from. I think it just came to me in a sketch one time, and it's like the portals going into a big portal that's like aligned with the sun. And I, um, I've been working on this little content rollout since before the twenty two twenty two portal. But as I was in it, I was like, okay, I knew I wanted to make some things that was homages to that 22-22 portal on February 2nd. Then I have 777 with the flames. I drew it on a few things, but I really like how they came out here. 777 is my number. You know, the 7 is the healing number. It's for the 7 ward. It's 7 for Yamaya, for all those things. And I have the skull with the two bones. And so that's a homage to... My people's connection to the dead, our sort of veneration and respect for the dead. A lot of the work we do is connected to um, ancestors and things like that. But also, you know, the head for the hard heads, you know, seven world hard heads and all that. And then, flipping to the back, I have an image of a um, black masking Indian. And... Um, I just love, I love, love, love the Indians. They like my favorite thing ever, always has been for their craftsmanship and their intention and their power. And, you know, these are working class people and they make this profound art in the face of all of the racism and colonialism and assimilation that we face. And they persist with so many things and... I love homaging them and referencing them in my work. And next to that um, black mask, I have another image of one. And um, she's on a horse. Um, she's on a horse and the horse is rising up. And so I've taken this image. I use as a reference for this image. There's a picture on Bob Marley's last album. Um, titled Confrontation. And on Confrontation is an image of Bob Marley on a horse with a spear. And he's attacking and he's um, facing this dragon. And that image itself was taken in reference from a painting of St. George fighting a dragon. And if you know anything about the Catholic saints, you know, and how certain African deities are superimposed with them or paralleled with them... St. George is um, mirrored with some Santeria and Yoruba practices as being aligned with Ogun, who is the Orisha of, like, blacksmiths and technology and, you know, um, he's one of the warrior Orisha, etc. And so all three of those energies on top of... Um, the image of the black masking people is in this image and it's also a homage to um, black people have a long standing close relationship with horses um, it goes back to back to Africa but also connecting to how many black people found themselves in the great plains and aligned themselves with those plains tribes who were themselves very, very connected to horses. And then on the other pant, on the back, I have um, homages to 
the various forms of black women in the city. Um, I have an image of a woman with an afro and she have five or four five or four earrings on. And then I have um an image of Timoja um Yamaya from the Mino Diaries. Then I have an image of I don't this this is this image is not specific. Like I, she don't have a name, she don't have none of that. But it is a woman with long braids and she's standing with her child and it's a girl she's standing with her daughter and she has her hands protecting her child as they both look into the picture well the the mother is looking at the child and the child is looking out at whatever and I imagine it is like somebody taking that picture and then below I have an image of um I have an image of Omina who is another character of my story who is getting introduced on the next episode. And, um, yeah, and she's dressed in a fit, um, a masking fit she has on the whole regalia. And she got 777 and long braids. And there's an image of a mouth. And the mouth is, like, smiling and... If you look, you can see the thing I drew as a, is to represent, like, is a goal in the mouth. You know, but I didn't have the markers to do that. So, I just drew, like, the lines to um, show, like, the reflection. You know, that energy of how the goal reflects. And, yeah, that's that pair. And, oh. Moving on to the other ones. So these are ones that I wore to body poetry with Paris. And I just did a, I just read my article that I wrote on that one. And um, so as with everything I create, these pieces are significant in a lot of ways and they're a really good investment to make if you're ever interested in buying ones that are already made or you want to commission things because every pair of jeans is connected to my stories. And my stories themselves are connected to our histories and our present. And when I put these jeans on, I usually wear them to events, which themselves become historic because there's people documenting them. These are things that are, they may be early in their conceptions, but these are things that will be soon, um, they will be pillars of our cultural practice soon enough. So, um, you know, don't be surprised if you see Obata jeans in some history books or, you know, in different records and things like that. And, you know, also, they're my own personal artifacts and I put a lot of my intention and time and positive energy into them. And so, yeah, the front pair, the front pants, um, the front side, I'm sorry, of these jeans, it start off, so the front of the jeans is a homage to Africa. Uh, some people say Kemet. 
um, the motherland, the continent, etc. The left pant is a homage to Eastern Africa, specifically. Um, so you have Egypt, you have images of Pharaoh, the Ankh, the sun, Bastet, Nefertiti, a pyramid, Isis, um, Horus. I have him in the form of a falcon, um, a scarab beetle. And then it moves down um, as the geography moves down. So the, this pant follows the actual geography of the continent. And it goes down and it goes into Ethiopia into more recent times. There's the images of Menelik II, um, Menelik II, Taitu Betul, Zuditu, and Haile Selassie. And these people are all very significant to me, especially Haile Selassie, because some of my earliest understandings of Africa were introduced to me through Rastafarianism and through um, being educated on the Solomonic lines and the powers of that bloodline and those energies as it connect to our holy books, our holy scriptures, and just the overall history of Africa and the um, the counter of colonialism, racism, etc. Um, very powerful people. And this image that I drew of Haile Selassie is, I think, one of my favorites that I've ever made because it just looks so, like, textured. Then I have images of two lions. So each of these lions represents two things in their own ways while also being very connected. The lioness, which is female, represents the energy of Naya Bingi. And if you know anything about Naya Bingi, Naya Bingi originated as a woman from Uganda who wore, she fended off colonialism on her people. And she was said to have many, many supernatural and mystical powers that she used to lead her people. Um, you, some may process that as just fiction and myth, but I live in a world of a lot of supernatural things. So it's not quite unrealistic for me to believe that somebody had um, certain abilities to commune with different animals and spirits of nature and elemental occurrences. Um, the lioness is also just an image that I've always, always resonated with. I have always um, been stimulated by lionesses specifically, uh, more so than male lions, since I was a child um, for their ferocity and their tenacity and their um, social structure, their, mat their matrilineal um, pride structures, which mimic a lot of the African and indigenous matrilineal cultures that I descend from. Then you have an image of the Lion of Judah, which resonates with certain biblical things and Rastafarianism and Jamaica and all kinds of things like that that I've come to learn over the course of my life, um, starting with my grandfather and then moving outward into different avenues of education and knowledge. And lions in general are just very powerful and very symbolic animals of our people and of the tribe of Judah, um, which you may or may not align yourself with. I have an image of a Moorish man, a Moor, and he has his head wrapped and he has a necklace. Um, and then in the background, I have Kilimanjaro. 
I've always, always had an affinity for this mountain, even though, of course, I've never been to Africa, but I would love to go in to see it. It is a sacred mountain, and it's so sad because a lot of that ice that caps it is it's melting that's been on there for thousands of years. But, um, yes, I've always had an affinity for that mountain. It's the summit of the motherland. It's the summit of the continent. It's one of the highest mountains in the world. Then I have an image of Bob Marley. Um, because Bob has played a very instrumental role in the lives of my family and myself. And then I have an image of a um, Maasai Mara man. Um, then I have an image of a woman from Madagascar. I love the way these women... Um, Madagascar is full of beautiful, beautiful dark-skinned, brown-skinned people. And they have beautiful, beautiful styles and the way they do their hair and stuff that go back, you know, a long time ago. And before Madagascar had to deal with certain colonizations and stuff, they were um, in a way of like how Hawaii was. They had their own monarchy and very regal, very royal people. Then they have an image of Africa itself with a fist in it. And then on the other pant leg, I have images of the Orisha who are most significant to me in this season of my life. Um, at the very top, I have Obatala, who is parallel with St. Joseph. So in preparation for St. Joseph night, I've been focusing a lot on the spirit Obatala who is known as the Sky Father, father of the Orishas, father of creativity, patron of artists and stuff. Then I have Oya, who is an Orisha of change, of war, of um, transitions. She presides over transitions of the dead um, to and from, you know, the underworld and stuff. Very powerful, very, very... Um, I call her in a lot of ways, and I've seen how she's manifested in my life in, in many ways. Then I have Oshun with an image of a, a peacock tattooed on her back with flowers and hearts around her. And I purposefully drew her with an afro just to really give that distinction of the beauty of that natural hair. And none of these none of these images are colored in, but you can, you know, be sure to assume that these these characters and these energies, these people have brown skin, dark skin. And then I have Yamaya, who is my patron, my um she is incarnated in many ways in my life. And I've drawn her in the form of her as she exists in the Mino Diaries as Timoja, mother of Omina. And then flip to the back. So on the back, on the, let's see, this would be the right pant leg. I have homages to Turtle Island and the indigenous people of these lands of this continent. So I have an image of Turtle Island itself with an actual turtle drawn inside of it. I have an image of an eagle and a killer whale. I have then an image of an Arctic woman. Um, she could be Inuit. She could be um, 
of other ethnicities, but just a general general drawing of somebody from that region of the world. Um, I have a bison, which is extremely significant from my Cheyenne ancestors who relied on the migrations of the bison and the cultivation of them for food. They were nomadic. They traveled the herds. Um, they traveled the herds for many, many centuries, first on foot and then later on um, horseback. I have an image of a wolf. And then I have an image of an actual ancestor of mine whose name is Little Moon. She married a runaway slave, a runaway enslaved person. And um, they had children together. She was a member of the Southern Cheyenne tribe. Then I have an image of a pinto horse, again, a pinto mare. And then I have a hummingbird. And then next to that hummingbird is a character who herself is a personification of that hummingbird medicine. And is the central character of the Mino Diaries right now named Walela. And Walela is a warrior. She is a healer. She is a priestess. She is... Um, the Mino Diaries right now is a story of her becoming... And so the images of these characters on these genes make them officially, you know, memorabilia of the show, of the writing itself. As things progress, you know, and as things progress and the show progresses, um, the value and the power of these images increases as well. And so on the left pant leg, I have an image of my own character, Omina. Omina is like my own avatar. I draw her a lot in different things. Omina is like me. She's a non-binary femme. And so when I say she, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean woman. It just means femme. Omina is not man. Omina is not woman. Omina just is Omina. And then I have above her, I have the image of the Andikra symbol for the supremacy of God. I have 504 with the flames. I have a jaguar. Jaguars are very significant um, for their power and their medicine, their ferocity, the power of their beautiful silence. You know, they're silent in their bravery. They're silent because they don't have to make noise. I aspire to be, um, I aspire to use my speech as effectively and powerfully as I can and to be like the Jaguar in the sense of not being overly performative but also being very comfortable in beauty and in, um, in the practice of moving through this world. Then I have a black masking Indian beneath Omina at the bottom of the pant leg. And, yeah, so that's the whole bunch of genes for right now. Um, if you're interested at all in purchasing these, I'm sorry, if you're interested in perhaps purchasing these genes or commissioning your own or just, you know, engaging with the work that they're connected to, definitely do. Um, I'm going to be posting some details about my commission prices. 
Um, I started off with keeping my prices low. And I've gotten a few orders. But I am looking for work for a steady job. And once I have a job, the price of the jeans are likely to go up a little bit. Just because I'm not going to have to keep them so low anymore. But anyway, that's it for today. And, um, yeah, I think I'm going to go record one more thing. And then I'm going to be done for the day. But alright, talk to y'all later. Stay tuned for the other episodes.